0: Today, as we get started, we're going to continue our study that we began last week in 1 Peter. We're going to go verse by verse through the letter of 1 Peter. Uh, We started last week and we covered the very first two verses in in 1 Peter, and and we're going to continue our study in that today. Uh, Just to set the context today, uh, remember the letter is written by Peter, Uh, He is one of the 12 disciples. In fact, the Bible tells us he's one of the three disciples that are closest to to Jesus. Uh, In the introduction, it tells us he is an apostle. Uh, Last week, we talked about that that means that he is commissioned by Christ, and he was also witness to Jesus after the resurrection. And so that's who the letter is written by. Also remember uh, that the letter is written to Christians who are, verse 1 says, aliens who are foreigners scattered across this region. And if you read the first verse, it tells you uh, the region and the cities that they're scattered across. Uh, That is a big deal. That's a big deal throughout the letter. Uh, Really, to understand the entire letter, we have to see why they are scattered, uh, why they are living as aliens, foreigners, in, in a strange land. Understand, these folks... Because of their faith in Christ, because they have believed that Jesus is the Savior, He's the the promised Messiah, they are under intense persecution. And we read the book of Acts, uh, they are being ridiculed, they are being ostracized. Uh, Some of these folks, because they've put their faith in Jesus Christ, their property rights are being taken away from them. Uh, some of them, their families, even their families are disowning them. You know what? You've, you've turned against what we hold as truth. And so even their families are disowning them. Uh, they are being imprisoned. Some of them are going to jail. They are being beaten. Uh, some of them are even being killed, all for taking a stand for the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, because of that persecution, we see again in the book of Acts that they are scattered. They are dispersed. Uh, Some of them, they flee the persecution. Uh, Some of them are chased away. And that's why they are living as aliens, as foreigners in a strange land. And so really from all of that, uh, understand these people are suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because of that, they are suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the truth. You know what? If you take a stand... For the cause of Jesus Christ, for the truth of the gospel, you will suffer. You will be persecuted. That held true then, that holds true now as well. Well, these people, they are suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's the context. That's what's going on, and we have to see that for us to be able to understand the entirety of this letter. As I thought about that last week, as I thought about this week, Uh, Really, it comes down to this. This entire letter, the letter of 1 Peter, uh, really is written to address one thing. A lot of stuff, a lot of good information across the letter, but really the letter is written to address one question, and that one question is this. What if life hasn't turned out like you thought that it would turn out? And really, you can can think about all the reasons he wrote the letter. Really, that's why he wrote the letter. What if your life doesn't look like today, like you thought that it would look like? And really, that's the question that he's answering as he as he writes the letter of 1 Peter. Now think about these folks for just a second. Here they are, and they would say to you, We know that Jesus is our Savior. We know that he died. Uh, we know that he came out of the grave, resurrected, victorious. Some of them had even seen it. We're so close to Christ now. Some of them had even seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen from the dead. He is the king. He is reigning over all things. He is the promise fulfilled of God. In fact, he is God himself, and we are his people, and he is for us. He is the victor, and nothing is impossible with our God. You know what? That's what they hear in the good news of Christ. He is our Savior. He was dead and He is alive, and they believe nothing is impossible with our God. However, then they're being slandered, they're being rejected, they're being betrayed. They're being persecuted. They're being beaten. They're they're living in a way that they never thought they'd have to live. They're living in places they never thought they'd have to live. And the question becomes, you know what? What if life doesn't turn out the way that you thought that it would turn out? We serve a risen Savior, and you know what? Some of us have even seen Him. We tell the account of Him reigning as a king. But what if life doesn't turn out the way we thought? I wonder today, If we went around this room, and if we were honest in this room today, I wonder how many of us would say, This is not what I expected. This is not what I had envisioned. I wonder how many of us would say, You know what? Things aren't as I had planned at one time. And and maybe you're here, and, and maybe some relationships let you down. Maybe some relationships fail. Maybe there's been a death and, and somebody's gone. And you know what, I, I had a different plan, but you know what, they've passed on and, and somebody's gone. Maybe, maybe your finances, you know what, I thought I'd be a lot further along than this. Maybe something unexpected has happened in your life. Maybe, maybe the situation of your life is not as you expected and you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, this isn't what I had envisioned. This isn't what I had planned. Well, into that, Peter writes this letter. And already in the very next three verses, we see what to do. What if your life hasn't turned out the way you thought? What if where you're at today is not where you had envisioned that you would be today? Already in just the next three verses, Peter tells us what to do. He tells us these are the three things we do. We remember our God, we remember our Savior, and we remember our salvation. I'm going to read the next three verses, verses three through five, and then we're going to go back and look at them. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the, His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven." who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. First thing we do, what if your life's not what you envisioned? What if it hasn't turned out the way you thought it would turn out? First thing we do this, Peter tells us this, we remember our God. Look at the first part of the third verse. It says this, Blessed be the God, of, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy. Pretty interesting here. You know what? We're being chased around. This isn't what we had intended. We thought we were going to have a different result. Some of us have lost our family. Some of us lost our property. Some of us know loved ones have been killed. And all of a sudden, in the third verse, he says this. You know what? Worship God. Put your eyes on God. Now, Now, think about that for just a second. This is what he means by that. Our God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-seeing. He is the creator of all things. They would have understood that from the the Jewish uh, scripture that they had. Everything exists because He created it. There's nothing that exists that He didn't create. He is the sustainer of all things. All things hold together through Him. He is our provider. If we have anything, it has come from Him. Not only that, He is holy. He is pure, he is just, he's always right, he always does the right thing. And he's saying that, consider our God, worship our God. He's so far above us, we can't even comprehend him. The Bible says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Consider our God, but then remember this one's line. And yet he, that God, our God, has mercy on us. He loves us. He considers us. Let me tell you this today. God, our Father, knows where you're at today. He loves you today. He has mercy on us today. So the first thing he tells us, you know what we need to do? We worship God. We remember our God. second thing he tells us to do here is to remember our Savior. Remember Our Savior. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to God's great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He tells us here, Remember our Savior. We are saved because of Jesus Christ. We have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to think about that for just a second. There's a lot here tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but if we're going to consider our Savior, if we're going to consider Jesus, we have to also consider before he was resurrected, he was humbled. The Bible says even though he exists as God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, something to be held on to but he humbled himself, and he, and he comes as a man. and In fact, he comes as a bond slave, a slave, the Bible says. He humbled himself, the Bible says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, what that means is this. Consider your Savior. You know what? Our Savior was rejected. The Bible says he came into his own, and his own received him not. Can you imagine that? You come to your own. He created us. He comes into his own. They receive him not. He is mocked. He is despised. He comes as the greatest show of of love and grace and mercy. He loves, and yet he is despised. He's humiliated. He's born. Not somewhere where they would herald him. He's born out somewhere, honestly, behind a truck stop. There's no room for him. We don't have a place to put him. we not even a bed in there. Let's put him out somewhere with the animals. He lives his life and he's humiliated. And then at the end of his life, he's, he's stripped naked. And then he's spat upon. And the Bible tells us he is, he is beaten, not for any offense of his own. He's beaten for, for our sin. And he's whipped across his back and, and they pull the beard out of his face and they, they take a crown of thorns and they, they take our Savior and they push it into his head. And they nail him to a Roman cross and there... He dies. It's telling us here, remember our Savior. Now, we know the picture doesn't end there, however. Uh, verse 3 says that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what that means is this. We consider our Savior, and we consider the fact that He is humbled. And we consider the fact that He is beaten, but understand, you know what? He's not gonna be beaten ever again. His blood ran out, but it's not gonna run out ever again. And He died And he's dead and he's placed in a borrowed grave. But on Easter Sunday morning, the suffering servant that came and humbled himself for the salvation of mankind, he now exists as the resurrected Savior and he stomps on the serpent's head. The lamb that was slain, the perfect lamb of God that exchanged himself for me is now the king who will forever reign. And on that morning the angels say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? For he is not here, he is risen. Consider our Savior. We remember our God. We remember who He is and that He knows us and He loves us. We also remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, who humbled Himself to die for our sin, but He's resurrected and He lives and He reigns today. Third thing is this remember our salvation. Consider our salvation. I'm going to read the verses again. I'm going to read all three verses. Now I want you to listen to the description of our salvation in these verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember our God, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not pass away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What that means is this. We have a salvation given to us by God, secured by Jesus himself, kept for us, secure in God. Listen to that description. It's not a fading hope. It's a living hope. How many of your hopes have faded? You know what? I put my eggs in this basket, and I thought this person would never let me down, and I thought this situation would never let me down, and I thought this job would never let me down, and I thought I had a hope, but you know what? It was a fading hope. You know what we have in our salvation? We have a living hope. You know what our salvation, the Bible says it doesn't perish. It's imperishable. It's not defiled. Everything we live around is becoming defiled now. It's passing away. It's becoming corrupt. Our salvation is kept perfect. It is undefiled. It says, when all that you have envisioned fades away, you know what? Your salvation is not growing distant. In fact, it's growing near. It's not fading away. It does not fade away. That is our salvation. Peter says, You know what? These are people that are struggling. These are people that are are hurting. These are people that are being persecuted for the cause of Jesus Christ. They're living in somewhere they never intended to live. It's not what they thought it would be. He says, Remember our God. Worship Him. Remember our Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember our salvation. Here you sit today. Maybe it hasn't turned out the way you thought it would have turned out. Maybe there's a divorce. Maybe it's a bad diagnosis. Maybe it's other tough stuff in your life. And you know what? You look as you go through these years and you figure out, you know what? Your finances can leave. And you look around you didn't think it would happen, but your friends can leave. But because of the mercy of the living God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have a salvation that is settled and is sure. Praise God for that. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you today. I'm thankful for you, that you're the living God, that you're the true God, that you created all things, that you sustain all things, that you're all powerful, that you're all knowing you need not one thing from us. You're holy, you're just, and yet you consider messed up me. And you love us, and you love me, and your love's not conditional upon me getting it right, not conditional upon things that I could ever do. But it's because of your love that's eternal, that you send Jesus Christ. And through Christ, who comes as a suffering servant, and has stripes whipped across his back, has a beard plucked out of his face, and he humbles himself even to the point of death on a cross. Three days later he comes out and that payment's been received and the the payment is stamped, is paid in full and he he steps out as a victor. We praise Jesus as our Savior, our reigning King. But We also come today and we know that through the mercy of God, through the sacrifice of Christ, held in your hand, secured in your love is an eternal salvation that does not perish, that doesn't pass away but as a living hope. I pray that today that that wells up inside of us, that that gives us hope when we can find no hope, that that gives us peace that's settled in our heart. And I pray the response from that would be we would worship you, we would praise you, we would thank you. We come today and there's some in this room that are hurting, there's some in this room that are going through tough things, there's some in this room that have recently lost their jobs. What a timely message. You know what? It's all secure because of you. We tell you today, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We love you for that. May you be greatly glorified. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.